Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. This morning, live again from the hallowed halls of Watertown, uh, Massachusetts. Last night, yesterday was epic. If I'm a little scratchy, that means we went to Felipe's after, had a couple of margaritas and a couple more. And then I went home because, you know what, that's what I do. Congratulations to lovely, the uber-talented Tegan Shaw on her graduation from Harvard. We're going to get into that. Harvard just couldn't resist them. Harvard had to go Harvard. In one area, I'll tell you about that. Remember a couple of days the Celtics were getting their brains beat out and here, ah, they got no heart. You got to fire Missoula. You got to do this, that, or the other thing. Well, guess what? Uh, Celtics found some heart. Jalen Brown said, you let us win one. Uh-oh. You let us win two. Now all we got to do is win another one. Don't let us win three. And the Celtics last night showed Celtic pride. And I am here for it. They let us get two. Don't let us get another one. You know, uh, people are on me, right? Like, hey, uh, well, you know, let me see if this works out. But there we go. Uh, well, you know, you got uh, You said they had no heart. They didn't have any heart. If you think they had heart, I don't know what to tell you. But they had no heart. But Joe Missoula, the coach, summed it up pretty good. I like what he said here. Let's show Missoula after the Game 5 victory. Joe, is this the, the best performance in your view of – in the postseason, and what does it say that you've had you know, probably your best two performances back-to-back -back games here? Uh, it just says that our backs are against the wall and we're sticking together and we're competing at a high level to, you know, give ourselves a chance. Joe, what's led to the connection? I mean, after game three, you said you, you weren't, you guys were disconnected a little. And the last two games, something on the floor, off the floor, uh, Jalen talked about that dinner they had uh, before game four. Like, what's what hap what's happened? Um, one of our assistants put it in great perspective. Uh, which the season's like nine months long, and we just had a bad week. Sometimes you have a bad week at work. And uh, you know, we obviously didn't pick the best time to have a bad week, but we did. And um, we're sticking together and uh, fighting like hell to keep it alive. And the guys are, are really coming together. Is, is the cause to come back from this brought the guys together? I know it's a pretty obvious answer, but how has it and has it? I mean, I think it's just your back's against the wall. You don't have a choice. Um, and so it builds a connection and it builds, um, you know, just a, an opportunity. And so, like I've said it all year, the guys in that locker room, um, they always stick together. And, uh, you know, when our backs are against the wall, we just have to continue that. I don't see, right? I mean, that's a good win. That's two good wins. And now, you know what? you got to go get another one. And that sets it up to pretty sexy if they can get to a game seven. But you got to go to Miami and win. And all of that, you know, one bad week and all that kind of stuff goes out the window. If, in fact, they get beat. You know that. I mean, everybody knows that. You get beat, you're done. The season's over. You lost to an eight seed. I don't care if you fought back from 0-3 to make it 3-2. No, no, no. Uh-uh. That all goes away. So this is a story yet untold. Now, if the Celtics have an incredible amount of heart, then okay. Then maybe they come back and win. You can still have an incredible amount of heart and get beat because the team you're playing is doing what, people? What have I always told you? The other team's trying to. 
Now, make no mistake, the other team is trying. The other team is out there battling. So you're not going to see the Miami Heat all of a sudden fold up shot because the Celtics uh, won a couple games. Jimmy Butler had a couple things to say after the ballgame. Here's Jimmy Butler. We just got to play better, um, start the games off better on the starters, um, make it more difficult for them. They're in the rhythm since the beginning of the game. But we're always going to stay positive, knowing that we can and we will win this series. Um, and we'll just have to close it out at home. You saw the tweet from Jalen Brown about don't let us win three, right? Don't let us win another one. You saw that tweet. All right, here's a pretty good tweet from a dude. This is pretty good. Let's show the Kendrick Perkins, Bam Adebayo tweet. This is pretty good. Bam Adebayo turned back into this man, Big Perk, Big Perkin. <laughs> Look, I don't know what's going to happen with Bam Adebayo. You know, I don't know what's going to happen in this series. I don't know what's going to happen with Jimmy Butler. But I know this. You know, Jalen Brown and uh, Jason Tatum and Marcus Smart showed some heart. Now, is Marcus Smart going to revert back to being an idiot? Is he going to become Draymond on diet? What is it, diet Draymond? I don't know. But I know this. They showed it. I'm glad. And now, ladies and gentlemen, because it is all about me and my wants, now we got a series that I can't wait to watch. Three zip, I don't care about game four. Three one, I was at graduation. I watched the game. But you know what? The game, in my opinion, was pretty much over early. And I know that doesn't sound like it actually was, but it felt like that to me. Now we got something interesting. Now, game six, you don't go and win. Now we got a situation. I mean, we got a serious situation. We got one of those situations where people are going to go, holy hell. All right, let me talk to you about Harvard. You ready? So Harvard graduation is awesome. I'm just proud to be a little, a tiny part of the great Tegan Shaw's life as a stepfather. Her mother, the lovely and talented Lee Ross, her grandmother, the beautiful Sandy Ross, and of course her father, Jim Shaw, uh, did an ma amazing job, including uh, Jim Shaw's mom and dad, now deceased, brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, it takes a village, all of that kind of stuff. It was great. Uh, it, 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 I was just happy that I got to be there, happy to be invited, happy to go to all of the parties starting on a Tuesday. It's fantastic. And yesterday culminates with the graduation. I put a lot of things out on Twitter. Tom Hanks, I didn't understand a word the man was saying. Not going to lie. Great talk, great speaker, great orator. I'm sure if he or whoever wrote it gave a great speech, but all the graduates are like, yeah, he lost me about halfway home. But he was really smart. And, like, if you're going to go give a speech at Harvard, I guess you got to be really smart. Like, the other day, I was laying in bed thinking about what speech would I give if I were going to give a graduation speech. I gave one to my high school, and I was so freaking bad, it still embarrasses me to this day, but that's all right. We'll figure it out. But here's the deal. Harvard couldn't resist. Like when you go to Harvard, you think you get all of this woke stuff, right? You think it's just woke stuff being slapped on you, and it really isn't. You know, when you get to know parents of Harvard students, most of them are conservative and kind of laugh at them. Some of them talk about how their daughters, mostly we talk to daughters because of the softball team, you know, went from watching, oh, I don't know, uh, let's see, Tucker, watching Rachel. So they went from watching Tucker Carlson when they left from college and watching Rachel Maddow uh, when they left college. But okay, fine. But it doesn't really, it, it doesn't slap you in the face, right? Like you think. It's a very cool scene. We didn't get there at like 6 a.m. We watched it just to the right of the guy, uh, way right of the screen. We were, we were watching it honestly. But anyway, 
So two beautiful speeches. I mean, glorious speeches by two awesome women. Like the only person that gave a speech that used uh, notes was Tom Hanks. And he gave a long speech. Two awesome women students gave speeches. And they were fantastic. One of them is a person that got up there and said, I love enzymes. And you're like, you what? Anyway, unbelievable, poised, smart, the whole deal, right? Okay, fine. Second lady gets up there, and the first thing she tells you is how proud she is to be here because she got carjacked in Detroit. Beautiful woman. Cute as hell, smart as hell. Talks about her life as a, in her words, not my queer woman walking through this world one step at a time because of this horrific wreck or carjacking that she got shot in Detroit, I think. All right. Harvard couldn't resist. Beautiful speeches. We're standing outside, and they do it like a uh, parade, where when all these kids are marching out, they have like, you know, two announcers. Harvard couldn't resist. The two announcers had to announce it as, well, you know, uh, the girl's name was Zach. Zach was a victim of a hate crime. Zach didn't say it was a hate crime, but Harvard had to. They, they had to. The other thing that was funny with Harvard was the on Wednesday, I think it was, or maybe it was Tuesday, we're at this, right where you see this picture, and we're at this deal. And at this deal, there are speakers. And it's really good. It's, it's, it's a beautiful day. They're serving beer. We couldn't get there early enough to get any beers, but we're just sitting there having a great time with families. All of a sudden, I didn't look at the program, so I didn't know who was speaking. He is a lifelong thinker. A lifelong thinker, it goes into this great pronouncement of the next speaker. Lee, did he say anything else about him being a lifelong? Was there anything else? A deep thinker and a lifelong learner. He's a deep thinker and a lifelong learner. I figure this is some old professor with a doctor, you know, all that stuff. They bring up a 2020 or a 20-year-old dude, 21-year-old dude. A deep thinker. And a lifetime learner. Really? Does he know how to pay a tax, make a payroll, run a business? <laughs> so this dude, of course, gets up there. He's great. He's it's but a deep thinker and a lifetime learner. You think the guy's got a beard down to here, right? You think the guy's got all kind of things around him in a uh, you know on his robe. <laughs> we look at each other. We're like, really? So you start thinking maybe in like six. The guy probably has done about three years of thinking. Let me tell you something. I've done more than that on a stool. I've done more than three years of thinking in that toilet right there. In 60 years, I guarantee you I've put more time thinking on the toilet than that dude has done thinking of anything. They couldn't resist themselves. But I got to tell you, yeah, uh, Ben Pasterman says, I bet. The man is a young conservative Republican. You know exactly the man was a young liberal, very liberal <laughs> Democrat. Oh, man, I, I got to tell you. Uh, but anyway, Tom Hanks was fine. Harvard was great. Uh, the ceremony, fantastic. I'm just proud to be a part of the family. I'm just proud to be a little part of this freaking awesome. And we had a great time. Now, guys are saying this. Now, this is something before we go. I know I'm taking too much time on this, 
But guys like David Cook are saying, Dan, don't Stephen Cook are saying, don't lie to yourself, Dan. Harvard isn't a good place. All right, I'm gonna. I, that's why I said early, I get that when you see the news and you say Harvard so and so does this or that and it's ridiculous. I understand that, but I will say this about Harvard on a day to day basis for a young woman that's very close to me that I love. It is a great place. It is a great challenge. It was great friends, just like when you went to college. Great friends, fantastic people that cared about you, a wonderful, they call it a community and all this crap about the dorm. They call it a house. It's a freaking dorm. But anyway, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful is the only way that I can describe it. Now, look, I understand you turn on CNN, you turn on whatever, and Harvard professor, whatever. And I understand. I do. I get it. I understand where you're saying that, Stephen. I do. I swear to you. I don't know that they care. I don't know that they don't care. I don't need a university to care. That's why I could care less if, like, a lot of people are saying, well, Indiana University should disown that doctor. No, I should disown Indiana University. I don't care whether a politician or a university or a structure cares about me. Why would I care about that? You know, I, you know who I care cares about me? The people that are currently in this room, one little girl that's in Nashville, uh, one little boy, or not little boy, one boy that's at Illinois State, uh, 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 my wife's ex-husband, and my stepson who are driving home. That's who I care. My mother, my sister, my brother, my aunt. That's it. And Ryan, I want Ryan to care about me. I don't give a damn if the university cares about me. Hey, how do I care if Joe Biden, now Joe Biden needs to care about us because he's got a responsibility to do that, and so did all of our politicians. If you're in Indy, you'll understand this. I'm jumping it off here, but Chris Baden, Chris Baden, I never met Chris Baden. He was considered Mr. Indiana. Apparently, he was a football player and an uber nice guy, African-American kid, not kid, probably 30, 40 years old. We had these idiotic, stupid, ridiculous, cowardly riots in Indianapolis. Chris Beatty was trying to save somebody from being robbed during these idiotic riots. Three idiots killed Chris Beatty. Justice was served yesterday in Marion County Court when the three freaking jackasses got convicted. Now, hopefully they get sent to death. You, I, I, hopefully, they, at minimum, life in prison without parole. And it's not because he's Indiana guy. It's because during these riots, these idiots decided to kill a man who was helping somebody else. That's Haynes. That's Haynes. I never met Chris Bain. I knew the name. I knew, I guess I knew who he was, if you want to say that. But it is remarkable to me, and I'm thankful that a good man, by every account, killed way too early, when way before he had a chance to do so much good in this world. Guess what? At least there was justice. God wanted Chris Beatty home, fine. But at least there was justice in this world, in this killing. And I saw it today, and I'm like, you know what? Great. But you know what? This is weird, and I'm not doing this anymore. There's three African-American kids that killed African-American man, Chris Beatty. And I thought to myself, if I tweet out good, is that racist? I'm not doing that. I'm not doing it. If you want to call that whatever you want to call that, call it. I don't care. But I thought about that, and I said, wait a second. Screw that. I'm not doing that. Chris Baden, at least justice was served. All right.
Uh, this is totally different. But have you seen this beef? I like beefs. I like beefs. I got like Ron Harper Sr. He's going to, he's threatening me. Oh, I may not be nice when I see a shot. Uh, Ron Harper Jr. and all these guys, you know, little kids making statements, right? And daddies and mommies. I know Deion Sanders talked about it yesterday. I mean, we got these 20-year-olds that make idiotic statements, disrespectful statements. Somebody like me comes back at them, and then mommies and daddies jump in, and Twitter jumps in, and everybody, shut up. People like me run this damn world because we, ladies and gentlemen, tell you the truth, you want to come at us, great. You know, all the old guys came at me, right? Goodman and all these guys. No, nonsensical responses should not be met with what's the right word, any type of protection. It should be called out as idiotic when you're in your 20s. That way you don't do it in your 30s. But anyway, as we get older, as we get older, you see this guy, Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp's got a show. He's on the show with Skip. It's a good show. Kwame Brown doesn't have a show. Kwame Brown, legendary. First pick in the NBA draft as a teenager. Michael Jordan crushed his soul. He averaged about 10 and, and 10 a couple of years. All right, but not what a first-round pick does. But Kwame Brown's a big, strong dude. That is country strong. And I think if you were going to mess with somebody in this world, Kwame Brown ain't him. But I got to tell you. So Kwame Brown and Skip. First, here, let's go through this. Here is Shannon Sharp going at Kwame Brown for going at LeBron. This is good stuff. You'll like this. Let's see it. Really, Kwame, of all the people, he should never, ever question anybody's greatness. Because this is what we know. If there's a Mount Rushmore for busts mm -hmm. in the NBA history, whether he's the first head, the second head, the third, or the fourth, he's on Mount Rushmore of bust NBA players. There's no question. And then he's going to question a guy that's, whether you say he's first, second, he's top five of the greatest players to ever play. Okay, but, all right. So here's Kwame's response. Kwame don't back down, yo. <laughs> You a guest in the house of this basketball talk. Didn't you know that? And now, since you don't want to act like a guest in this and you want to invalidate me, you football-playing dummy, there ain't no first downs in basketball, clown. How you going to try to invalidate a man who was the number one draft pick, boy? You want to try to put some bass in your voice when you talking to me? When you on a panel with a that buckled you down, boy? You on a panel with a white boy that blamed his coach for not making it to college and you want to try to invalidate me? Are you a clown or what? I'm so glad that you just exposed yourself, you clown. You think you're going to put some bass in your voice when you talking to me? And that white boy made you say, ah, oh, I'm just trying to let me finish. Let me finish. You a guest in this house of basketball. Ain't no first downs in basketball, you big, tall, thick-tongued punk. You a thick-tongued idiot. Did you not know that? Ain't no first downs in basketball, boy. So I don't know what make you think that your opinion on basketball is more than mine because you a fanboy for LeBron. You a mo you called me emotional and you was finna fight a whole goddamn Memphis Grizzly team because of your love affair LeBron. You the reason why John Morant probably carrying guns right now. John Morant was like, oh, a big ass a sweater, a grandma sweater trying to fight his daddy and the whole damn team. You the reason why. I think John Moran ain't trying to be no thug. He carrying guns everywhere because he's scared of goddamn Shannon Sharp fanboy ass. John Moran, put them guns down, boy. Get you some of this tactical shit right here. Get you some of this right here for a big, thick-tongued punk. Do what you need. Spray that big, thick-tongued 
in the eye. You fanboying calling somebody emotional and you about to fight a whole damn team about LeBron. You supposed to be a damn analyst, not a fanboy. You ain't nothing but a fanboy. You done lost your goddamn mind. <laughs> Seriously. I don't know if we're going to get like pulled off YouTube for that. I don't know, but I, I, hey, I had nothing to do with editing it, but it was awesome the way Ryan and Aaron and everybody edited that bad book. I don't care. That's good beef. That's good beef. Hey, Claire Powder said, where's the beef? There's the beef. That's good beef. Seriously. That is as good a clip as we have ever seen. And Kwame Brown brings it every day. Now, I don't like the white boy stuff. Why does it always got to be about white boy? You know what I mean? Uh, he's talking about Skip Bayless. You're up there with that white boy. Come on. Come on. <laughs> it doesn't have to be about white boy or white woman or white, you know. Hey, make your point about Shirley Shannon, whatever the hell his name is, sure. And let's go. But why does it got to be about white people? I don't disagree with you. I know, I know, I know. You guys are like, well, why didn't Kwame come out early? Because the dude was a, you know, a flop. I, I don't consider anybody that makes the NBA a flop. Now, let me just be very clear with you. Look, I, I, I know, I tried, and I don't see, if you make the NBA, or if you were good enough to go play in the Big Ten, you're not going to hear nothing from me other than when you whine about your school not having NIL money. Then I got to crush souls because, well, that's what I do. But anyway, the whole white boy thing I could do without. But everything else is freaking awesome. Like, this is what we need in the world. We need more communication going back and forth. All right? You know what's going on here? I don't know if you saw this, but Anheuser-Busch is still getting crushed. Target's lost $9 billion in cap, and I like it. Keep the freaking crazy away from our children. Keep the crazy. You want, you want your crazy? Go do your crazy. You want to be transgender? I don't think that's crazy. When you're 18, 20 years old, go do your thing. It's your life limit, but not kidding. So Target, I hope you keep losing money. But Troy Aikman's stepping up. Troy Aikman's got his own beers, and I like it. All right, here's Troy Aikman announcing his beers. Everyone's talking about beer companies these days, but nobody's talking about beer. I started eight with the goal of creating a company dedicated to making really great light beer. No agenda, no distractions, just great f***ing beer. See, now, if Troy Aikman wasn't the face of football and I did that, I would have Norby Williamson, I would have Michael Schiffman on the line immediately calling me, hey, why'd you say after? But I like, hey, look, we just want great effing beer. We don't want anything other than great effing beer. No distractions. Summer for us, Lee and I, starts uh, today. Summer officially starts today for me. I get home. Lee gets home tomorrow. I'm playing golf tomorrow. I'm playing golf Sunday. I'm going to be cooking, boating, barbecuing all weekend. It starts, and I'm drinking good effing beer. And if i got to go get Troy Aikman's effing beer, then I'm going to go get Troy Aikman's eight beer. I'll tell you right now. That's all I want. That's all I want. I don't need little girls that are at, actually boys prancing around. I don't need that crap in my life. Who needs that crap in their life? I don't need it. I don't want it. I don't want to see it. Hey, uh, our man. Uh, oh, man. Our man Kaepernick. Uh, I love that. 
That's good. That's good shoulder pads. Our man Kaepernick takes a shot at the NFL. He says he hasn't seen substantial change since his O-hole deal, since he last played. Really? All right. Well, let me give you the changes that I've seen. We've got end racism in the end zone. That's a change. We never had that. We've got things like equity, equality on jerseys. That's a change. Every coach being hired is African-American. Look on the sidelines. Look on the sidelines of NFL team. It's African-American. And that's fine. I care less. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm saying it's changed. There is narrative. There are coaching accelerators that the NFL is doing to basically uplift certain coaches. Everyone is African-American. Everyone. So I don't know. I get it. Kaepernick has to say that. Kaepernick's like Biden. He has to say there's racial discord. Or what good is he? Serious question. Like, if all of a sudden every coach is black and all of a sudden every assistant is black and all of a sudden, and right, blah, 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 what good is Kaepernick then? Kaepernick doesn't have a freaking leg to stand up if everything is harmonious. So same thing with Democrats. They have been enslaving African-Americans for years, and it's nice to see that African-Americans in cities are starting to stand up and realize because it's no different than Kaepernick. If everybody's harmonious, Kaepernick has no value. He's got to keep discord. He's got to keep division. It's no different than the Democratic part. No different whatsoever. Speaking of discord and division, uh, how about this? It's unbelievable. NBA superstar Jimmy Butler. Oh, wait, what did I miss? What did I miss? Did I miss a tweet here? I'm sorry. No, Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo had surgery, ladies and gentlemen. Jimmy Garoppolo, oh, now this is the one I want. Great story. Great story. Now, I don't understand this whole world that we're currently living in. I don't. I'm sorry. I wish I did. Like, I don't understand how we can be so racist. Great story. If only Jimmy Butler were a little less grateful and called his wife adopted parents racist, he could be successful as Kaepernick. Jimmy Butler's mom kicked him out of the house 13, left him on the streets because he kept getting in trouble. He started living on a friend's couch. Then their mom decided to adopt him and put him through college. The rest is history. How about that? Yeah, this is a great quote. If only Jimmy Butler was a little less grateful and called his mom a racist years later. Yeah, it's unbelievable. It's incredible what we're doing in this country. I don't get it. So Kaepernick's a hero because the people that raised him all of a sudden now are racist because Kaepernick has to. He has to push racism. He has to. Say, hey, this is a divide. He cannot exist without it because nobody, and I mean nobody, will pay attention to him if we have racial harmony. I won't believe Kaepernick. Go back to the other one. That's pretty good. I won't believe Kaepernick is woken up till he marries Dylan Mulvaney. Ah! Look at that thing. Cap, baby, you married Dylan Mulvaney. We're down with you. Yeah, and we'll say you're finally woken up. Ah, he's full of crap. And he knows he's full of crap. Of course he does. Hey, Jimmy Garoppolo, I'm getting quicker because Benetti's going to join us coming up in two minutes. But Jimmy Garoppolo underwent surgery in March. Timeline unknown. Uh, you know, Devontae Adams probably still losing his mind. Foot surgery. Surgery is meant to repair an injury he suffered last year while on the Niners. He missed OTA. It's not clear when he will return. I think what we should do. 
and I don't know if Ryan can do this, but I think our viewership would go way up if you could somehow superimpose uh, Jimmy Garoppolo's face on mine. Because at least in this light, I'm looking a little rough today. I'm not. I went to bed at 10 o'clock. I mean, what are you going to do? A couple margaritas, sat outside, nice evening. But I am. I look a little rough, at least in this uh, in this light. Uh, we got another crazy professor before we get to Benetti. We got another crazy one. I've told you about these crazy professors for years. I dealt with one. Joanna Mellis, insane, in my opinion. Now, that'll probably lead to a lawsuit. But I, what are you going to do? The whole group of professors are completely nuts. They're nuts. They're whacked out, insane, nuts. So here's the tweet. Uh, a machete, machete-wielding professor faces charges after chasing a reporter claiming she's a victim. Here, we have this in order. Machete video, machete freak, machete freak. So go, go. Let's show the machete video. Get the f*** away from my door. Let's, let's get out of here. You can't do that. Away from my door. Get the f away from my door. Let's let's get, get out of here. Shalyn Rodriguez, um, she's a machete superhero. There she is. Oh my god! And you know she's not going to have anything happen to her. Do that to a reporter. Chase them down the street. You think anything's going to happen to her? Of course, nothing's going to happen to her. She knows nothing's going to happen to her. I mean, not nah, maybe if the reporter looked a little different than he looks, maybe. But hey, go to Hunter College. Hunter College is a fun place to go to. I think Hunter College would be a blast, don't you? Hey, let's all go to Hunter College and have this idiot uh, <laughs> violent, openly Marxist professor just relieved of her duties at Hunter College. That look happy. Who would have thought that assaulting pro-life students and chasing down a reporter with a machete would carry consequences? Even in New York City, nothing's going to happen. I'm, I'm talking about the law. Look at that beauty. Hey, I want to be taught by you. I want to be taught by you. And by the way, who's wielding a machete in New York City? What? Hey, uh, come on over. This reminds me of a guy, Vontae Jones, played for Tarkanians. And I think Fresno State. I'll ask. I'll ask uh, Gottlieb about. Von, I think it's Vonte Jones or Devonte Jones. He got arrested because he had a long sword. He got in a sword fight. Yeah, he did. <laughs> so this idiot uh, right here, this uh, Rodriguez lady, uh, beautiful. I bet she's pissed. You better not piss her off. She'll bring a machete to your ass. All right. We're waiting on the daddy. We'll talk to him next. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
you know, a lot of people have come on this show and they didn't realize where I'm actually at. And then he did. He immediately said, are you in an asylum? Have they finally put you in? Yes, they have. It is one flew over right here, big boy. Yes. I I just expect Jack Nicholson to walk in at some point. I I don't I it, it, but somebody finally decided that you weren't fit to navigate the world on your own unless you got a little work done. And I I appreciate that because I you know, it's a serious matter and finally somebody has somebody has done it for you. Uh, and he does not mean, although I do need some work done on this face, uh, I'm trying to get Jimmy G superimposed. He's talking about the mental work is what the man is talking about. Finally, I, you know, I, I don't think you need any work done on the face, to be honest. I, uh, you know, the whole Lex Luthor thing really works for you. Uh, Benetti hasn't been on in a while. He's been ducking. And there it is right there. That's it. Let's keep that on the whole time. Explain to me why I'm talking to Jimmy G. Because I said earlier that I think we'd get more viewers if my face looked like Jimmy G's. Because I like seeing Jimmy G. Like when Jimmy G comes on TV, I, I, I like it. Yeah, I you know, I don't have any experience in what happens when you have a nice face. So I can't I, mean, uh, I can't speak to that necessarily. I just... I think you're you, and I really appreciate sort of the um, the oblong nature of what I'm looking at here. The sort of, um, you know, like, uh, it, it's almost like one of those Hollywood bald wigs, honestly. Yeah. Like, your your head is so, uh, so bald, it looks like you're trying to be bald. Well, I am. I mean, what do you want me to tell you? I mean, I get a razor out and I go bald. What do you mean? I'm trying to be bald. No, but it's one of those. It's one of those like Hollywood. It's it's so shiny that it looks like somebody has put something on top of your head to make it like that. And I I really love that that is the choice. Like this is not my choice. I have not decided <laughs> to have an eye that uh, you know has um, curiosity issues. I haven't decided that. I I actually am angled this way so there's glare on my glasses so people can't see my eyes. No, no, don't do that ever. That eye to me is character. That says character. Just like all these wrinkles up here and here and this whole thing. Character, that's what we're billing it as. Don't ever hide that eye. That eye is glorious. Do you Stop. remember? Do you remember real quick before we get into actual substance? Do you remember there was a um, there was a carpet commercial? I think I want to say it was Don Rickles, right? Don Rickles' face was in this carpet. I was terrified of that as a kid. It was just like bald Don Rickles. His face was in the middle of a carpet. And as I'm looking at you right now, I'm having flashbacks to the worst commercial of my childhood. This brings up a question, and Lee will verify this. She's over here. Yesterday, after graduation, the softball team, we rented out uh, this uh, restaurant. We had food, we had drinks, everybody was there, coaches, everybody, you know. And I'm standing there talking to Lee. And one of the aunts for one of Tegan's best friends says to me and Lee, boy, you are a great looking couple. Dan, I'm a lesbian. And I got to tell you, you are one sexy man. And she said to me, and I know men. I understand, man. This is a great compliment for you. And I went, all right. Okay, so I'm taking her word over your word on my looks. 
Oh, dude, I didn't say I didn't like it. Oh, okay. I just said you reminded me of Don Rickles in the middle of a carpet. You take that however you want to take that. That's your deal, okay? That's a you issue. Yeah. That's not a me issue. No, I understand. All you did was throw it out there. And how I took it, I took it. I get it. I just put it into the world. You know, I will say this. From Grandma's attic here. I love your attic. I love the crown moldings or whatever they call it. Yeah, well, I, I I have a recess. There's a recess over here. There are people playing kickball and capture the flag and whatnot. I got a recess. Uh, before we do get into baseball, one last thing. The top of your head over your eyes, the top of my head over my eyes, looks like it narrows and goes up in the old cone head fashion. Yeah. Yours is spreading out. It does. Like, over your glass. <laughs> it's widening. <laughs> it does. It's sort of uh, expansive, yes. explosive. Uh, it does. Yes. I, I hadn't noticed that, but it yeah. does look like my face is trying to, you know, it's sort of imperialistic. It's it's kind of yes. manifest destinying the world. Your your hair here is creating a balcony over the top of your <laughs> ears. <laughs> I have an ear balcony. You've got ear shape. That is great. I I will never see myself the same again. Uh, I mean, last thing, I, when you when you mentioned the, the, the oblong, I swear to God, all morning I've been looking at this like, God dang, when does it end up here? Yeah. When does it end? It doesn't end. And no, I, yeah, it it it's a it's a problem. It looks like um you ever you ever make those uh, like Pillsbury uh rolls that yes. come in the, the container? Yeah. When you pull them out of the container, they look like they're gonna go forever. You sort of look like the Grand's Biscuits. But what do I know? I got an ear balcony. You got an ear balcony. Uh, the YouTube chat, best background, Dockage Urbanetti, it's 64%. No, 56%. The voting is going fast and furious. We need that Cornegi guy on here to get it going. Is it? Do we have a touchscreen? Can we have a touchscreen? Can I swipe and point in this county and that county? All right, who do I like in baseball? And what, wait a second, I couldn't tell by the video, but the other day, did a ground ball hit a squirrel in the hole? Did something happen with a barment on the field with you and Stoney? So we, our crew had concerns that if we showed it, it would be one of those like when, you know, uh, somebody breaks their leg or breaks their arm or something like that. It was that gruesome. It was a bird on the field. A bird was on the field and just like eating midges and like nipping at some food. And then the ball came and hit it at shortstop and, and killed the bird. It was actually a pretty ugly scene. It was uh, it, th- that's been happening a lot in baseball. You know, there was the old Randy Johnson thing, but there have been a couple in the last year or so where birds have gotten wiped out by baseballs. And I, you know, like I, I don't mean to make light of it because I do love animals but I was thinking the next day how awful of a way that would be to go. Like, can you imagine you're just sitting, you're eating, right? You're sitting at Chili's, you're eating your skillet queso, and you're talking to your friends, and you're just sort of nibbling on the chips. Then, whap, a baseball hits you in the face at 100 miles an hour in the Chili's. I got to tell you, if that happens, I may just ask to die. Like, I'm just having a Chili's, you know what I mean? <laughs> Great. I mean, you're sitting by the window and then suddenly, boom, baseball, right? Your fajitas are all over the place. 
And it's uh, it's a tragedy. As always, I have a story. Lee and I were at Wrigley earlier this year. We went out because it was cold underneath where we were sitting. We were behind home plate in the shade. And my niece said, hey, Uncle Dan, we're out here in the bleachers. It's warm. Come on out. We went out. And, you know, I don't know if this happens at, at a guaranteed rate field, but at Wrigley and in San Francisco, the pigeons start landing on the field late in the game, late in the afternoon. And Lee actually asked me, she goes, when did these things get hit? I'm like, well, one did. You know, I knew about Randy Johnson 100 years ago. But true story, there are a ton of them out there. Do they do that at White Sox Park? Uh, every once in a while, but it's not the same as especially in San Francisco. Yeah. It's San Francisco, all oh, they're on the field. They're they're very um, daring. And I, I just wonder if the news travels. Right. I wonder if they have heard about what happened in Cleveland, because I, I will say the first thing we saw was the base runner, the guy who hit the ball on the way to first base. He was like, no. And then the first baseman for the White Sox had his hands on his head. And the third baseman was like it was it was actually gruesome and it was actually an awful thing. They had to get out the shovel. And when you have to get out the shovel, it's not good. But it is also one of those things that like. If we showed it, probably would have been trouble. Like I, I a quick story. I was in Tampa Bay with the White Sox. I want to say 2018, and very recently before that, Miguel Cabrera of the Tigers hit a ball into the open tank that they have for like the manta rays in right center field. They have a place where the kids can go and like pet the rays. They've been de-stingered or whatever. But a week later, I got an email from PETA saying it's not worth it like you can't glorify somebody hitting a ball into the ray tank and i was like dear sir or madam i didn't hit the ball <laughs> sincerely me uh and i understand like it's their job to protect animals and i totally get that but like i we weren't going to get into that area where we were going to show that because it's you you want the hall of not worth it right the not worth it Hall of Fame, that is in the not worth it Hall of Fame. Yeah, and I, I didn't blame you. I just happened to see it. And uh, you guys' reaction, as always, is is classic. Oh, boy. You know. Oh, that's a shame. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, remember remember last year when I said on, on your, uh, your show that uh, we've seen a lot of stuff? Yeah, yeah. I keep seeing a lot of stuff in White yeah. Sox. Man, there's a lot of stuff. There's a, a it's every year. There's stuff. All of a sudden, stuff just permeates the White Sox broadcast, seemingly out of the blue. Like, just what? Yeah. Where'd that come from? Well, you know, some people go to these novelty shops and they buy snow globes and you shake them and then the snow yeah. starts to swirl around the little town. We have stuff globes That's where you go and you buy one of these little things, these little containers, and you shake it and stuff starts swirling around. There's just stuff. It's a stuff globe. It's a, It's insanity. We've already had like six things. I don't need more things. There's been too many things. Who do I like? I don't like the Cubs right now. Uh, the Sox struggle all year. What do you think about the Sox and the Cubs? Where are you at with them? Uh, I think the Cubs are a team that kind of is going to find its level. I think there's some talent. Like I love Dansby Swanson. I love a couple of the guys over there. I think like, I think it's a pretty well-built team, but I think they're young. 
Uh, I personally believe the Cardinals are going to win the NL Central. They had that really slow start, but Arenado and Goldschmidt are in their 30s and they're going to build around them at the deadline. I would have to imagine if they're anywhere close and they're five back today. Uh, The White Sox, they go on a run uh, to beat Kansas City in three and then they win two of three against Cleveland. They lost last night because, you know, a, a tough start for Giolito, who's been really, really good. Like if you want who's been the best pitcher for the Sox most consistently this year, I would say it's him and not even Dylan Cease, who's been fine and good. He just hasn't been the same exactly as last year. The division's so bad, Dan. It is such a bad division. The AL Central is so bad. The Twins are two over and they're in first place. Any other division, you'd probably be talking about the season being close to over. You can't do that in the AL Central because the Sox are six back with four months to play. That's just way too much time to count anybody out, even though they're 10 under and they know it. Like the new manager's great. He's a really perceptive dude. I'm a huge fan, Pedro Griffol. And he's like, look, I get people telling me where we are in the division. I I personally don't really care because you're not going to win a division at 10 under. No matter what, you're not going to win it at 10 under. And you just got to win ball games. And so I I feel like they're going to be involved just because the division's so bad. You are the one guy that I talk to that I know goes on the field before games. And what is it like? Um, what's batting practice? It's, it, it, it was historic when Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa were taking batting practice back in the day. What's it like with Aaron Judge? You know what? Aaron Judge is a show. We have not seen the Yankees yet, but in previous years, uh, watching Aaron Judge take batting practice when he does, because a lot of a lot of teams, there's actually, it's so funny you brought that up, Dan, because I was just reading a story in the Dallas paper about the Rangers taking less batting practice and it correlating recently with better offense. So some teams are taking less batting practice. They have these machines. Have you heard about these machines? They're like eye pitch machines, a couple different names where you can dial in whatever pitcher you want and then it simulates who that pitcher is. I mean, it is crazy. It's 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 almost better to use that. And I know we're getting into AI territory there at that point, right? But Terry Francona told us a story before one of those Peacock games last year. Uh, the manager of the, the Cleveland team, that their leadoff hitter, Stephen Kwan, hit a ball off the eye pitch machine, fouled it off his foot. In game against that same pitcher, whoever they dialed in, but that pitcher, he fouled a ball off his foot. Dude, I mean, you can't get any better of a commercial for that machine. He hit a, he hit a ball off his foot in pregame and then did it in the game. It's nuts how much they can simulate spin and movement and stuff like that. It's it's wild. So batting practice is super fun for the audience, and I wish more teams would let people in for it, but they're not taking it as much either. You know, my high school, which is, you know, won state championships, spent 14 grand. Uh, we all raised the money and uh, bought a machine. I don't know what it's that machine. But last year, they were getting ready to play uh, against two kids that were going to be either first-round picks or go to Vanderbilt, that kind of thing. And coach is like, you know, kids throw 94. Our players saw 94 for the last three weeks because that's what we, you know, and we spent and all the stuff that you're, I don't know the machine. And it obviously doesn't simulate a big leaguer, but it's that technology that can do those kind of things. Before, you know, when I was playing, it was right. Two things, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? 
Yeah, you go you go to Wright's Barnyard and it's the same thing, right? It's the same thing as they had. But yeah, I, it's it's amazing what you can do. And now the thing is, though, everybody's got one. So then you're like, okay, what's next? And I just, I don't know what the limitations of the human body are, but I'm pretty much going to guarantee we'll find out in baseball before we find out anywhere else. I mean, the dude for the twins, he throws a splitter sinker. He calls it a splinker, which sounds a little bit like a game on prices, right? But he just threw a pitch 104.6 the other day. That's like when we're getting to the level of if you have that as a fever, you should go to the emergency room. That's a problem for hitters. Look, um, that's a problem. Is that a problem for baseball other than a guy like me that likes I always I always look at the the, uh, the when I know it's a fastball and I'm at a game or even on TV and I see something. I always look for the speed, right? So I'm, I, that that enhances my deal. But is that a problem for baseball? And I'm going to piggyback it with the quickness of the game has been great, right? Or I, I don't want to put words in your mouth. No, I think it's been great. I, there were two options. Stay the same and have audiences slowly creep away or yeah. do something about it. And I give baseball a lot of credit. They did something about it. There, there are some games I know people in the park, like if it's an hour 57 game, they feel like they weren't there for that long. I totally get that. But the average game time is about 230, 235. And that's really good. And so I've I've loved that. I mean, I just think uh, to your first question, the it is it, it's tough for hitters right now. It's the, the strikeout rate has not changed. The one thing that we have not seen from these rule changes is there's still a ton of strikeouts in baseball. And until you do something about that, and it would be a legislation against the pitchers somehow, I don't think they're going to move the mound. They tried that in the Atlantic League and it didn't work. I don't think that's going to happen. But at some point, if guys start throwing 107 and 108 and 109, like I know it sounds ridiculous, but this dude just threw 104 and a half. So I, you know, if it gets to the point where you just can't hit the ball, they're going to have to do something about it. Now, that said, Guys like Pitching Ninja on Twitter and a lot of other people have shown the world how cool it is to watch pitchers do this. We just had a guy, Dan, last night, Gregory Santos, threw a 101-mile-an-hour sinker that, no joke, was a strike and then peeled off like it just realized there was the last Shoney's in 70 miles, right? And they were in the left lane, and then they had to veer over. It was like, oh, oh, Jeff Broccoli Soup, right? So... It was insane. I looked at it. I was like, come on. What What? What do you do with that? It's ridiculous. A hundred and four mile or a hundred mile an hour sinker. Yeah. That and it would was be like, like hitting a wet watermelon. Like, yeah, you know right. what I mean? Like, oh, right. <laughs> yeah. If you can hit it, it's like if it's you can like hit it. yeah. the watermelon yeah. you described, but it's it's like got homing technology. <laughs> All right, brother. It's good to talk to you. Great to talk to you. Hey, do you need any hard candies or like Werther's Originals or like, I don't know, six cats or something? Why? Because of my backdrop. Doesn't it look like grandma's attic, like her spare room? Look, I got like, the- it does look like I'll give you the spare room. I think it does look like I don't see any quilts hanging on uh, lamps or anything. So I'll give you the spare room. I didn't know if you wanted any York peppermint patties from 2015. I feel like I should have those here. Uh, they're very refreshing, and I think they're probably still good. Maybe a little hard. You crack them open this time, but I would I'd go for it. Just don't hey, get them in the chest cavity of anybody who's having surgery. 
Because those in junior mints at the same time, it's bad. Uh, last, last thing. Uh, we're going to see you nationally this weekend. Where, where are you at? Yeah, tomorrow on Fox. Uh, it's actually, it's a wild Benetti weekend, which is not at all like Girls Gone Wild. Uh, tomorrow, I got Guardians and Cardinals on Fox. And then Sunday, I'm doing the 140 White Sox game. And I have a 530 kickoff for USFL on FS1. So good luck to me. Well, you're doing the White Sox game from Chicago. From Detroit. From Detroit. And where is the USFL game? So uh, I'm doing it from a studio. That's uh, crazy. TBA where I'm doing it from. But I uh, I will be there in time for kickoff. Maybe. A little 26 inning. A little something hey. nice. Hey, the commissioner gave us runners at second for situations like this. Right. Yeah, for early flights and for uh, look, I'm, I'm overworked. I got to go do football. I got to do the foots. Yeah, no, I mean, but now, but we're doing that in every sport now because, like, in college football, you know, uh, on a first down, they're not stopping the clock to move the chains because they feel like the uh, the old guys who moved the chains got more fit or something. I don't know. That that speeds up the game. Like I've noticed that over the years, the NFL gets you in, gets you out pretty good. Including, yep. you know, what they should do in basketball. This is my last thing. The NFL doesn't mess around with halftime except for the Super Bowl. Halftimes, when you go to an NFL game, they are fast. College football, college basketball, let's go. Like, you don't need to like, get them off the court. 12, 15 minutes, let's go. Let's go. Let me, let me ask you. Let me ask you before I go. How much time do you need as a college basketball coach at halftime? I just said it. You get them in, something to drink, get with your coaches for a few minutes, get with them for a few minutes, a few minutes to rest. 12, 15, 12 minutes, you're out. Boom, could you do it go. in 10? Could you do it in 10? You could absolutely, as long as you get, we're not, we're not pushing that button until 10 minutes or, or uh, till everybody's off the floor. Right. You're no, not yeah. doing it while the coach is doing the interview. None of that. No. Stuff. It's, once everybody's you're in the locker the floor, room. Hit, hit the button. Yes. Okay. okay. Yes. I've yep. said that ever since I realized what the NFL did, I've been like, God, these college halftimes are insane. They're stupid. What are we doing? Well, you got to do the trombone and you got to do you got to do the bands. They don't have bands in, in the NFL. No, you're right. They got PA systems. You're right. Yeah, they got yeah. it. Yeah, something to do. What can I tell you? Done. All right, I got to go. I got Gottlieb next. Okay, say hi to Doug for me. I will, brother. Thank you, my friend. Yeah. I'll talk to you. That's the great Jason Fanetti. Unbelievable. I wish I talked to him every day. All right, Gottlieb is next. Go to YouTube. The chat is rocking and rolling. Let's go. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, save $30 on the American-made Steel FS56 RCE Trimmer. Real Steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Off air, I set this up with Doug. 
as he's the only guy that I know. Like, I tell you all the time, I, I don't want to talk basketball with a lot of people. I want to talk basketball with Doug. I want to talk basketball with Brandon, with, with Seth. And not a lot of people I want to talk about because people just talk. They don't know. Doug knows. Doug knows the backstory. Doug knows the history. Doug's the only guy, I think, that can answer this question. Back in the day, in California, there was a guy, and I think his name was Avondre Jones. He got in a sword fight at Fresno State. Do you remember that? What's the backstory there? Uh, well, it was he and Kenny Bruner. Okay. And it's interesting, you know, um, last weekend, again, and I don't know if I'm going too far afield. Last weekend, uh, my AAU, my son's AAU program that I, 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 I run, uh, we were playing against a kid who's considered the best eighth grade point guard in the country. And he's a seventh grader. And he's not yet physically developed. And he's like, dad, that guy's so quick. Like, how would I, how would I guard him? And I said, you know, it reminds me of Kenny Bruner. Kenny Bruner played at Dominguez High School, uh, Compton Dominguez. And he was a tremendous point guard. He went to Georgetown and transferred back to Fresno State. And I believe he was sitting out and redshirting. And he and Vondre Jones, you know, by Bonnie Jones. Uh, Bonnie Jones was his Greatest claim to fame. You said, yeah, I know the backstory. You're right. One of the great teams in the history of the state of California was Artesia High School. They had Charles and Ed O'Bannon on the same team. And Vondre Jones, a seven-foot center, was their center. Like, that's a loaded team, you know? Anyway, um, I don't remember if Vonnie went to Fresno straight away or most guys transferred in. But the backstory with the Swords was, I think they were playing video games. Probably smoking a little something, drink a little something. I don't think probably, I think definitely. And I mean, that was their problem solving was there were some samurai swords that they had like in the apartment and they got into an argument and they got into a samurai sword fight. That's a, that's a real thing. It really happened. That, that story and Art Long from Cincinnati punching a police horse. Those yeah. are the two that all of us, you know, players in the 90s, coaches in the 90s remember far too well. Yeah, the, the, the Jones thing, I remember Bruner, a little strong point guard. I just, the reason I'm talking about it was because in New York City, a professor got out of a machete and started like whacking people, like, or whacking or holding it to the throat of a, uh, I got doorbells ringing here in the Airbnb. I'm at Harvard for graduation. I got, I got everything going on here. But anyway, uh, held it to the throat of a reporter, and my producer goes, Who has a machete? in New York City, and I started thinking, who has a samurai sword in Fresno, right? Uh, I think greater chance of samurai sword in yeah. Fresno than, than, than Michelle. Uh, yeah, Fresno's, Fresno's a little little different. The, the other one in the 90s that should be known, you got to have on your show, Chris Kingsbury. Remember Chris Kingsbury? Oh, yeah. Recruited. Right? Do you know what his number was at Iowa? Tell me. 14. Do you know yeah. why? No. Like seven and seven. <laughs> uh, and then uh, there's, there's there's one more. There's one more. Maybe this is for the after hours. Uh, Gerald Honeycutt. Gerald Honeycutt. Yeah. Uh, I'll just say, if there's a, a, a basketball player in the 90s, they remember his nickname. And the nickname wasn't 
let I'll just let just leave it at that. He had a nickname that was very very unique, and um, it's not a bad it's not bad words, but you can insinuate what what it yeah. was what was what it was about. Yeah, saying the nickname isn't worth what might happen coming at you after. Yeah, I get it. I, I get it. Uh, I sent Coach Knight. I can remember. I sent Coach Knight to see Kingsbury. He gets there. It's supposed to be 11 o'clock meeting. Kingsbury is still in bed. Uh, starts yelling at his mother. Coach Knight shook the Kingsbury's hands and said, thank you very much. He drove back from, I think it was Hamilton, Ohio. We played golf all afternoon. While he <laughs> screamed at me for the first 30 minutes, for sending me to go see this piece of blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? I mean, it's, it's, all right. They said, if you win one, don't let us win one. Now they're saying if they win two, don't let us win. What do you see happening here with the Celtics? I saw your tweet. And I want, let me just, I'm, it's going to be a long question. I apologize. I saw your tweet about Spolstra, about what are we going to say? Because everybody's crowning this guy. Combine the whole thing I just asked you. What do you think? Well, I, I think it's interesting. You know, if you look at, I think the most historic collapse with a lead um, is, are we, by the way, are we, okay, I hope we're not frozen here because you're frozen. Um, I'm good. Okay. The most historic collapse in recent memory, okay, is the Golden State Warriors up three games to one on the Cavs. And what people forget about that series is they forget that, Andrew Bogut got hurt. It was a huge, huge factor. And you're like, wow, he didn't score a lot of points. Andrew Bogut was a great screener, starting center, could protect the rim, and an incredible screener and passer. So he didn't play at the end of that series. Then you factor in that Draymond Green got suspended. Um, it, it helped. Now you look at, at what's happened here. Obviously, Boston, with the potential of a game seven at home, where you feel like all the pressure would be in Miami. Right. And, you know, Boston has seen with the Red Sox this level of historic comeback before. Um, Then you factor in the injuries that are mounting up for the Miami Heat. I think they're better without Tyler Hero uh, in that they they play as a team more. There's less one on one. They're more aligned with what they want to do defensively. They they hope to score just enough points. But you lose Gabe Vincent. And now even if Vincent comes back like. If you miss a game with an ankle injury, it has to be so severe that even if you come back and you're feeling better, you're not right yet, right? And the and the big thing with ankle injuries is not just how you defend, but oftentimes you're tentative in terms of pushing off. And you don't shoot the ball as well because you're worried about favoring one leg over the other, right? That's even if it's a minor ankle injury. So you take away two, now three of their rotation players, and this is a Miami Heat team that, I get it. The regular season records don't matter that much, but they were in fact an eight seed for a reason. And you have a Celtics team that's been playing far below their level. Um, yeah, I think they're in trouble. I, I, I really do. Now, look, you got a game at home, you know, your backs against the wall, you have two games and you've shown the ability to win in Boston twice in this series, but it'll be a different garden game seven, just like playoffs are different than regular season. Game sevens are different than, than anything else. And I'm, I'm fascinated by it. I, what I said on my show yesterday, Double D, was going into last night, if you watch the Weather Channel, you know, they'll, they'll do the, hey, over by Anguilla, there's this storms and it could, you know, the tracker could take it to here and it could be a hurricane. Like, it is right off the harbor right now. 
right? It is, right? And look, Miami's got a home game. They have incredible shooting. Uh, they are a cohesive team. And, and I think Spo does a great job. But I do find it interesting that not all coaches, like, look, at some point, Doc Rivers, you're just not good at this. You can't close out these. You have two MVPs and you can't close out a series. Um, uh, you know, there are some guys which they open themselves up to criticism. And I think Spo is great. But this is more about how we discuss other coaches than how we discuss Spo. And that Spo will be Teflon from this thing. Heck, last year they were the one seed they didn't get there, right? Nobody said a word about Spo and playoff Spo. So I, I think it's just going to be really interesting how they handle game six, because there is no question. You do not want to be the first NBA team to be a, have a 3-0 collapse, no matter what your seed is. You know, you know this, and, you know, in basketball, you mentioned the eight seed, the one seed, and you mentioned Tyler Hero. They played like an eight seed with Tyler Hero. They played like a one seed without Tyler Hero. So people that want to argue, I've said the same thing on this show. Like, don't argue with me about it. Just look how they're playing. That's the bottom line. You know, Tyler Hero is a lesser version of Jason Tatum from this perspective. And I'm trying to think who I saw said this last night. I think it was uh, – who is it that does the Twitter spaces? He played for Arizona. God, why am I, why am I blanking on Jefferson? his Jefferson? It wasn't Richard Jefferson. No, no, no. Um, former Cleveland Cavalier. Uh, oh, man. Oh, Channing Fry. Channing Fry. Channing yeah. Fry said something was interesting about Jason Tatum. It was just like, if he would just take what the defense would give him, none of this would be an issue, right? He would – it's like and, – and – I remember when he came out, when Jason Tatum came out of school, I was with Bill Self at the time. He has a fantasy camp. And I was like, what do you think of Tatum? He's like, man, he's talented. But, dude, he's a workout dude. And I go, what do you mean? He's like, everything he does is like what you do in a workout. It's not like organic and just reading a defense and feel. It's every shot fake has to be into a sidestep jump shot. You know, it's like naming and calling moves. And Hero is a little bit that way, right, where sometimes – Sometimes the, the, I mean, like, look at Jokic on the last bucket that sealed the deal in game four. He just took the ball, pass faked, drove, and nothing was stopping him. And he just went right through arm, just sheer force of will. There was no move there. And LeBron tried the same thing. He just is not the athlete he used to be. And, and he got tied up by a really smart defensive play. But the, the point is that, and the point is that, uh, that hero is one of these guys where he's kind of a workout guy where, you know, the moves themselves will look great and it does go in, but there's a lot of just organic basketball that is missing and you're not a particularly good defender. And Oh yeah, by the way, he needs to make shots and needs to have the ball in order to be effective. And um, that level of maintenance, I don't think is good for this team. Whereas now you're seeing a Duncan Robinson get a lot more run. And he knows, like, if I catch it, I'm open, I shoot it. If not, I'm moving it. That's it. And sometimes that works better for a team, even if you have some inadequacies like Duncan Robinson defensively. One of the things Duncan Robinson does, he does make mistakes. Like, I'm sitting there because he's friends with Andrew, and he's a friend of our family, and I'm sitting there, so I'm watching him. I'm like, all right, he makes the ball go to the right spot every time. If you've got a post speed, he post speeds it. You know, if he's got a drive because someone goes crazy on an over-recovery, he goes and he makes the right play. He's never – given this, a lot of guys are in different positions. They get uncomfortable on the basketball floor. There's really not a place where he's uncomfortable, you know. And 
I don't know. All right, so let me ask you, when you when when you go back to this series, and I'm gonna to go to the other series here in a second, when you look back, what's changed for Boston? You know, the, the psychology, wow, they're trying hard. Okay, fine. What's changed? What's Boston doing? I think they've done a better job of attacking the zone. You know, yeah. when, when when Miami goes to a zone, I mean the the I mean, the first time they, they saw the zone, you were like, what are they doing? Just everything was screen roll with Jason Tatum, you know, and he's just trying to find a three-point shot. Now they're moving it and cutting it and, and cutting up a little bit. Um, we we got to point out that, you know, no Gabe Vincent is a yeah. gigant, gigantic difference. And he was hurt, um, even though they're probably going to win going back to game, what was that, game five or game four. Um but I, I, I do think that there's a level of toughness and cohesiveness that, that was missing. And I don't know, you know, um, Damon Stoudemire left the team to take the Georgia Tech job in March. And um, Damon's a respected dude. And this doesn't, uh, I mean, any NBA people or people who understand basketball know, it doesn't mean that Joe's not. But Joe didn't play in the league. And if you look at that staff, that staff's not made up. I think Aaron Miles is the only guy on that staff that, that played in the league. And one of the arguments, one of the reasons that people thought Brad stepped aside was Brad's staff was made up of what guys in Boston would call nerds. You know, guys are really smart basketball guys. They said really smart things. Sometimes you just need a dude there, right? You just need an old head or whatever to grab a guy and pull him aside and be that connective tissue. So I don't know if it's losing Damon. Uh, but it, it did feel like that Missoula and, and what's weird is, you know, as you know, people want to be coached and Missoula not calling the timeouts. I think in his mind was, Hey, I trust them. Let them play. I don't need to overcoach him. Right. So I'm a new coaching philosophy, but dudes like to be coached and they're used to being coached. And when you come off of Ime, who again, former player, albeit a grinder, not a great one, but a guy who Ime could be an a-hole, right? He could, he could he could look him in the eye and he could tell him what he really thought. I think there was some connective tissue missing there as well. So attacking the zone, um, they, they've defended with better connectivity. They've also you know they're trying to run these guys off the three point line and make their 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 shooters shooters dribble more. Um, you know they started switching five, which I think has really helped instead of trying to worry about matchups and who's guarding Jimmy. They started switching five, and I think hey dude, just guard your yard. And that's why they've kept in who they've kept in. Um, I think all those things combined have allowed them to crawl back into the series. You know, Miami's still home game away, but dude, this thing goes seven. There's not a soul on earth that doesn't think the Celtics are going to win. There wasn't a soul on earth that didn't think the Celtics were going to win last night. From a gambler's perspective, it was a great game to put it in a parlay. But but anyway, all right. You caught hell um, from people because you had tweeted out that you thought that Kendrick Perkins is racist or whatever you want to call it, rant about racism, uh, cost Jokic. Jokic has proven, you know, maybe, maybe he be did deserve it. I don't know, but ain't nobody better than Jokic. What'd you think about that whole thing? Oh, okay. So if, if we walk ourselves back, okay, it was Kendrick Perkins did the old, Hey man, I'm not saying I'm just kind of wondering here why right, right. he pointed out Steve Nash and Jokic weren't, you know, elite scores um, and were winning multiple MVPs. And he insinuated it was about race and it started a discussion. And all I've simply pointed out was from 
if you look at Vegas's odds, Vegas's odds of winning the MVP, preceding that argument on ESPN and what followed, that was the moment that it changed. And look, some people did a deeper dive into it, like, hey, and remember, the Nuggets weren't great at the end of the season. Okay? They weren't. And he did get dominated by Embiid when they played in Philadelphia. Now, Embiid ducked out of the game in Denver, the rematch game. But that moment, I thought, caused a lot of people to go like, hey, let's take a second look at it. And then it put a lot of people in a bad position because, you know, your vote's going to come out. And no one wants to be called a racist, especially people who truly aren't racist. Right. Like that. I, I know I'm not. You know, I, I know how I treat people. I know how I look at people. I know I've always been around people of color or people of my same race, creed, whatever religion doesn't matter to me. But no one wants to be called a racist. And I'm sure there's at least a percentage of people that look at him like, I don't know. I don't know. Um, And then I would factor in the last part to it is, let's just be honest. Nobody watches the Denver Nuggets play. Right. Sorry. And and it's okay. And it's like, those of us who watch him play are like, yeah, dude, that's what he does. He's kind of awkward. He's an unbelievable passer. He makes these crazy shots. They play him like a point center. Like, and then you look up at the end of the game, you're like, damn, the dude had 25, 18, and, and 11. How'd he do it? You know, it's different. It's it's a different experience. And no, he's not a great defensive player, but he's clever and he gets his hands on basketballs and he knows how to wall up and he knows how to how to be positionally in the right space. And they kind of create a defensive scheme around him. Um I don't know. I think the whole thing is it, it's fascinating because we are we really, really struggle um, to handle any sort of discussion about race because basketball has been a place where stereotypes have existed for a long time. Um, but race generally or not even generally, I think it, it pays it, like in the real world of basketball has nothing to do with basketball. Zero. It's been the ultimate meritocracy for the longest time. If anything, when you're a white player, you have to go above and beyond to be viewed as the equal or even in the in the ballpark. And that's based upon years of success of the black athlete, earned success of the black athlete. Right. So I I thought it was a nonsensical discussion. But my point, which is inarguable, was once he said he, he Kendrick Perkins said, and if you, you you don't have to read, but you can read between the lines and whatever it was. Hey, the only reason Steve Nash won back-to-back MVPs, especially one over Kobe Bryant, was because he's white. To, to, which is weird because Kendrick Perkins was a guy who, if you looked at his stats, you'd be like, who cares about that guy? But the truth is the Celtics will tell you they feel like they would have won a second title had they not traded him away because he had these intangible things he brought to a team. Toughness, leadership, brotherhood, all those things that, you can't, you can't really quantify on a stat sheet he could bring to you. That was Steve Nash. That's Jokic, right? There's a value there. And, and then the, here's the last part of, of the rant. I'm sorry if I'm going too long, Double D, is we've increased the, the level of insane talk about Victor Webinyama and created this world where if he's not a first ballot Hall of Famer, he somehow is an underachiever or a bust. And I understand that he is a, uh, he's, it's like if you, like weird science, right? If you cut out 
all the different parts of a player you want to create. It's honestly, it's like two, my, my son's like, dude, he's like a 2K player. He's seven five and he shoots threes and he handles the ball. Like this is crazy. Um, but we don't pay attention to what basketball is really about, right? If Jokic is the best player, he is a marginal athlete in the classic sense of athlete. Now, he has unbelievable hands. If he gets his hands on a rebound, it's his. I never see anything like it. It's like he's got stick him up. But no one would say, hey, line up Jokic in a foot race with any of these other dudes and he's going to win. Okay? Who else is the great players in the NBA? Luca? Is Luca a great athlete? Hell no. Six, seven with a belly, right? That dude can hoop. That dude can hoop. Um, and, like, you know, obviously you and I grew up watching Larry Bird. They're, they're not, a, not all dudes that play. Even Paul Pierce, an unbelievable player, he couldn't go by anybody, but he went by people. I don't know how. Kobe Bryant wasn't the athlete of LeBron. He's not even the athlete of Michael Jordan, but brilliant footwork and ability to understand angles and use of his body. So the point is that I think real basketball people, a real basketball discussion uh, takes in all these factors. And it isn't about the color of your skin. It's about the level of your effectiveness and the level of your team's effectiveness when you're on the floor. Plus minus is a flawed stat, but it is the ultimate stat, which is, is the team better with you on the floor than with you not on the floor, period. And my argument for Jokic is, was like, dude, the analytics tell you, the plus minus tells you, and if you watch him and you take away the fact that it's awkward, it's incredibly effective. I thought Embiid should have won it last year, not this year, but I just, my point was the whole thing changed when he made it about race instead making it about, hey, dude, I don't think the guy plays that great a defense or nobody actually watches him play, so we only look at the box score. Those would have been reasonable arguments to make at the time. You think it affected Mark Jackson's vote? I don't know. Uh, you know, again, I, I don't know. But, but man, again, remember, if you're, you're not, you're black. Here's the position it puts you in. If you're white and you vote for a white guy, but a black guy, like, are you racist? If you're black, are you a sellout, right? If you vote for, it, it's a, it's an, imp, you put people in an impossible situation and it's totally unfair, right? Because I don't want, like, there's nothing that would lead me to believe Mark Jackson would have any sort of racial bias or whatever. But he does want to get back in the NBA as a head coach. That's pretty obvious. It hasn't happened yet. And if he's viewed as a as a sellout or an Uncle Tom, right, like that's going to hurt you in perception or maybe in locker rooms. I don't know. Double D, I, he said no is just a mistake. I'll take him at his word. But I do know that the reason you're bringing it up is what I just said, correct? Is because, you know, like, would you, everybody thinks of the white guy making the vote. What about the black guy making the vote? Hey, dude, I just wanted to vote on MVP. I don't want to have to label myself racially because I think one guy is better than the next. Maybe he just thinks, I mean, I thought Jalen Brunson should have been the MVP. No guy had a greater effect on an entire franchise, an entire city than Jalen Brunson. He was the most valuable player in the regular and postseason to me in the NBA. That doesn't mean best, and you can say best or had the best season. I thought it was Jalen Brunson. Um, but, you know, and there's a guy who doesn't go by anybody and still goes by people. Doesn't make any sense. He's amazing. But the, I, I understand what you're saying with Mark Jackson. It puts people 
in a really uncomfortable and impossible position where they just want to vote who they want to vote for. Nobody in basketball is a racist. That's generally the way I look at it. I, I totally agree. The situation was untenable. My man, call me later if you'd like. I'm here. I got my, I'm all day. You Sit graduated from Harvard? I am so impressed. I had no I had no idea. No idea at all. Yeah. I let everybody know. It's my stepdaughter. I love her. And uh, I always say this, Doug. She's the only daughter, stepdaughter in America that got intellectual osmosis from her stepfather. Thus, she ended up in Harvard. <laughs> now, her mother and father both disagree with that, but I'm standing by what I think, Doug. I'm standing by my... Hey, yeah, hey you make make sure they put that on your on your tombstone, right? Yeah. Stepdaughter graduated from Harvard. That's a good one. Yeah. It's a good and one. based on the way I look, the tube was coming quicker uh, than I wanted to. Hey, man, call me later. I'll talk to you. Thanks, Doug. Okay. See you. That's the great Doug Gottlieb. See, I don't like talking basketball with a lot of people. I love talking basketball with Doug because he's got a perspective that's great. You know, before we get and go to break, a rant on Target. Look, I've had enough. I, I've simply had enough. I've, I've had enough. Don't tell me I am transgender because I'm very happy that Target has lost $9 billion in market cap. Don't tell me that my uh, boycotting is hurting the great employees of Target. You know, if I were a Target employee, I'd get the hell out of there. You know what there is in this country? There are jobs available all over the place. That's right. There are jobs. I would argue this. This came from a friend. Uh, with this $9 billion in market cap going south, the mothers, ladies and gentlemen, of these great United States have spoken, and they continue to speak. Mama Bear has always been stronger than men. We know this. $9 billion in the week following boycott calls for LGBTQ-friendly kids clothing. You know what we do? It's the same thing that is going on right now with North Face. So North Face has decided, right, that they are going to do the same thing. Good for North Face. Great. Yay, Rob, go fight win. What we would rather do in this country, and it's not even to June this summer. It's not even to June, but we don't care about us. The American people. We can't complain about our country if we just continue to succumb to the utter and pure madness of the tiniest fraction of our society that seemingly adds a letter every week. So we're to the tiniest, all because we don't want to be called a name, all because we don't want an ist, an ism, an obic attached to our name. So we're worried about the tiniest. And guess what they're going to do? They're going to add another initial. We add a letter to their group every single day. And we acquiesce. And people can say to me, you know what? Here's the deal, Dan. You're transphobic. Let people live their lives. I don't give a damn what you do once you're 18. But I have a personal interest in protecting children from this type treachery. And that's what it is. I don't care uh, about drag shows. You want to go to, uh, you want to go to Bourbon street, stop in and see loud drew rule or whatever the hell, or everybody else. Good. You're 21 years old. Go. Why do kids have to be 
subject to sex? Why do kids have to be subject to, well, I got to make a decision because people are putting pressure on me and I don't know if I'm a boy or a girl, the lovely and uber talented Lee Ross at the time. She talks about it all the time. She was a tomboy, put her hair underneath her helmet. Her mother, the lovely Sandy Ross, allowed her to play freaking football, tackle football. She was the best player on the team. Can you imagine now some of these idiots coming out of schools of education into teaching? with their agendas, with their extremists, with their insanity, what they would have done with her. Well, you know, don't tell your mom, but we think you might be a boy. Wouldn't it be better if you were a boy? Then you could go play sports. You could play with the Yankees. You could go play baseball and not have to play softball. Their family had to move from Toledo to Michigan because they didn't have women's softball in Toledo, so she moved to Michigan. Can you imagine those teachers? You know what? I mean, it's absurd, and I believe it is a form of pedophilia that this is what we're doing. And I think people that promote this, maybe not a store, but people that promote, and certainly not with clothing, but people that promote others, children, to change their sex transition, as you all call it, should be considered pedophiles. Whatever the laws are, they should be taken out. I don't care if you want to sell clothes, if you want to sell pride gear, if you want to sell stuff to women, great. And men, great. No problem, but not children. Not children. So Target, I don't care about your employees. I don't. I'm sorry. Maybe you do. I do not. I don't care about it. I don't care about the hundreds and thousands of working men and women. You know what? If the hundreds and thousands of working men and women had any balls, they'd either leave or they would stand up. That's my opinion. You can have your own. I'm entitled to mine. I also agree with Deion Sanders. Like, I agree with Deion Sanders. we got so many soft-ass parents today. And that's a part of this, too. Let's be honest. You know, I saw it this week. Ron Harper, please. Son makes an idiot comment. Disrespectful. He gets slapped down next to you. You go, Daddy's mad. Oh, okay. Don't be mad. If I see you, I'm not going to be nice. Yeah, okay, great. That's my kind of part. Okay. Yeah, all right. <laughs> man, oh, man. I get a kick out of it all. If I cannot inspire love, I will cause fear. Boy, is that true. We belong everywhere. No one's saying you don't, but not with little kids. Not with little kids. And you're not inspiring fear into me. All right, we come back. It is Memorial Day. And those of you that know my show over the years, we celebrate Veterans Day. We celebrate Memorial Day. We celebrate because we are patriots, ladies and gentlemen. I've got five, the five best sports patriotic moments on the field. This is not somebody saying something or at the podium. I got the five best. Do it right now. Look, all you guys on the YouTube chat, do it right now. Don't tell your friends you're going to love these five. And I got a lot more to get to in the last half hour of the week. Let's have a day, people. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Like I 
I said, I don't, everybody's got title to their own opinion. And you're not going to intimidate me out of talking about my opinion on this. I would like to see kids allowed to be kids. That's what I would like to see. And I have no problem with a kid, you know, being a kid. All right. A uh, friend of mine. Oh, man. All right. Let's go to it. Uh, let's go to it. Let's show my man, ESPN announcer, had a bad, bad slip up. Lee, what's Tom's last name? Tommy Hart. Had a great time with him in the Bahamas. Now, this Tom Hart is a great dude. I don't know. Let's go. You can hear it. Go ahead. We can't turn the black cock black. Uh, we can't turn the Ooh. clock back. I know it's after midnight. We can't turn the clock back and turn it back into the mid-80s and put on a Whitey Herzog team. Play that again, William. I may have missed. We can't turn the black cock black. Uh, we can't turn the Ooh. clock back. I know it's after midnight. We can't turn the clock back. Clock and back. Turn it back into the mid 80s and put on a whitey herd. We can't turn the clock back. If people get upset by that, they're idiots. And we know people are absolute freaking idiots. Uh, Darren Waller. Darren Waller is happy to be with the Giants. And Darren Waller, he of craziness. Uh, life craziness, I guess. I don't know. They value our opinions here. Oh, no. Oh, they don't. Uh, let's show the tweet from Darren Waller. Where are our opinions here? Let me explain to you what coaches do for players. And I learned this in 1981. Coach Knight was recruiting me, and after Indiana won the national champ or the uh, Big Ten title, I was in the locker room. And he asked the team, hey, would you guys rather go to this restaurant or this restaurant? And they picked this restaurant called Butterfields, great restaurant in Indy. I don't know Butterfields. All right. He turns to my dad. He didn't know I could hear it. He goes, you know what? I only ask the players' opinions about stuff I don't care about. He didn't care what restaurant they went to. What he care, right? They just won the Big Ten title. He's on cloud now. He didn't care what restaurant players go to. So, Darren Waller, they value our opinion here. As a player, I feel like a lot of places I've gone, we're told to do things a certain way. You don't do them. Uh, and they want to know what you're thinking. But here, they want to know what you're thinking. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, sure they do. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, I bet they do, Darren. Yeah, they do. Of course they do. You're over. You're the new guy. You're all pro. Hey, Darren. Y'all want to know what you're thinking, Darren. Do you want the air conditioning on the window? Do you get the door when we come? Do you want central air? What, what can we get you, Darren? Darren, hey, I got to ask you a question. You know, we love you here. We value your opinion. Uh, do you guys want steak and shrimp after uh, practice, or should we throw some salmon in there? That's the kind of crap this dummy thinks they don't give two rats ass about. They don't care even a little bit about your opinion. It's what coaches do. Like, I don't care. Even the high school coach saying, hey, hey guys, uh, you guys want Burger King to McDonald's on the way home? But Darren, well, they value my opinion. You know what opinion they value? Go catch 50 balls for like 3,000 yards, and then they'll value the living hell out of your opinion. They value me. Yeah, okay. Right. Yeah, okay. Ha! Yeah. Let me tell you something. I don't. See, you got to value players' opinions or else the media and Twitter comes at you. Did you see Dockets get bodied 
Celtics. So I got to know what your thoughts are on this. It's the impossible. It's never been done in NBA history. Someone coming back 3-0. Yeah. I got to know. Is this the team to do it? Hell yeah. This is the damn team to do it. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, they better get that shit in order, goddammit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? At least yeah. a good fight, goddammit. Yeah, we can come yeah. back. So, so you truly believe in this? I truly believe. Miami hasn't been good all year. They haven't been consistent. They're just being, you know, they're playing well right now. Right, right, right. We just got to get on the same level. Hurry up, goddammit. You this, know what this, I'm saying? This, this roster is super legit. Two people are like, what happened? Uh -huh. You know, is it? Is this it's the coach. The coach was, you know, having intercourses and stuff. It <laughs> the whole team up. <laughs> like, I'm serious. It the whole team up. No, that's they real. Just, that's they real. just had to go get another coach, you know. It kind of them up a little bit, yeah, but yeah. you know they, they they're still a good team. Hey, when you when you see like if they win tonight and they if say they keep winning, right? They pull this off. Uh -huh. does, does Joe Missoula save his job? Yeah, that save his job because <laughs> if they yeah yeah that save his damn job. Joe, we gonna give you you know what I'm saying. You just came in real quick, but hey, if he pulls this off, hey, you locked. pull this off, you get to stay. If you don't, you out of there, buddy. <laughs> Peace hey. out. Man. Yeah yeah. I gotta tell you, there's a lot of people in this world I'm listening to. That guy ain't one, but I do like his. I do like his little rant there. All right, it's Memorial Day weekend, ladies and gentlemen. I know a lot of people in the military love our shows, and I always thank you. And of course, Memorial Day means that we honor those who lost their lives for us. We honor those people that are braver than us, that run into the fray, not away from the fray, that fight, fight, and fight. And as every military guy will tell you, there is only one outcome that is acceptable in our military, and that is to win that fight. Military is now a part of football. It's fraudulent. It's a moneymaker, but that's all right. We love it. We know it. We want it. But over the course of time, there have been some unbelievable moments in our sports history. Real guys doing real things. Men standing up for our country. You don't see it a whole lot this year. All right, uh, we're gonna go. Let's go. All right, you guys have this one through five. I was. I want. Can we? Hey, can you put it by ear? Can we go from five to four to three to two to one? Can we do that? Is there any chance of that? All right, we can do that. All right, bump it up, bump Number five. This is pretty good. This is. Uh, you know, if this is five. Then we got a hell of a four. Joe Lewis knocks out Nazi Germany's Max Smelly. Now. Max Schmeling represented Hitler, represented Nazi Germany. Joe Lewis represented the United States. It was dramatic, uh, but it was brief. Look, I'm going to read the bio here. Lewis poured everything into his preparations while Max Schmeling publicly stated that he could see no way the American would be. The German was wrong. Lewis tore into Schmeling from the opening belt, dropped him three times, and knocked him out in the very first Round. You know how long the fight lasted? The fight lasted a total of two minutes and four seconds. Let's go to the tape. Lewis measured him right to the body, a left up to the jaw, and Schmeling is down. The count is five, five, six, seven, 
Eight, the men are in the ring. The fight is over on a technical knockout. Max Milling is beaten in one round. Max Milling got his ass whipped. Max Milling got his ass whipped. You know, in 1936, Jesse Owens, he arrived in Berlin to compete in the Summer Olympics against, well, you know this, Nazi Germany, same kind of deal. Adolf Hitler was using the games in Berlin to showcase and to show the world a resurgent Nazi Germany. Nazi propaganda promoted concepts of Aryan racial superiority and depicted ethnic Africans as inferior. Well, what did Jesse Owens do? Jesse Owens became the greatest athlete of our time. Jesse Owens won not one, not two, not three, but four. Count them four gold medals, and he did it with Hitler's dumbass sitting right there having to watch. Yeah. Let's play a little bit and let's show Jesse Owens on the uh, podium saluting the flag. In the 100 meters, Jesse Owens on the far side has already beaten the world record in his first heat. So the time was disallowed as the wind was behind him. And running like the wind, he wins the final and equals the world record of 10.3 seconds. Jesse Owens is, in my opinion, this is one of my favorite things ever. You could have put any of these number one, it doesn't matter. But Jesse Owens, to me, is the epitome of bringing your best in the biggest moments. Like when I was a kid, I remember Reggie Jackson. I was a big Reggie Jackson fan. Boom, 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 three home runs, World Series. And I'm screaming like a maniac because I just love Reggie Jackson. I thought Reggie Jackson was awesome. But I got to tell you, you could take any of those two moments. You want to talk about the biggest of moments? That two, Those two guys, Joe Lewis and Jesse Owens, performed. And what I loved about it was – you know, we hear now how, well, nobody gave anybody a chance. Nobody gave African-Americans a chance. And they're right. People are right. Didn't seem to matter to Jesse Owens, man. Jesse Owens saluted the flag, stood right there and whipped ass. Love it. Love it. Rick Monday. Rick Monday was number one draft pick. I think 1965. I can't exactly remember. Rick Monday was a star. I remember when he came over to the Cubs. But Rick Monday did something spur of the moment. Protesting in the 70s, like you see protests now, that's not new to this country. Protests in the 70s, including burning bras, burning flags, that kind of thing. Well, a guy tried to go. Let me just give you, let me show you this. A guy comes on the field at Dodger Stadium, not to bend a knee and to give his girlfriend or fiance a ring. No, no, no. Guy came on to burn the flag. He was with the Cubs. He snatched the flag before it could be set ablaze. The father and son were a group of two idiots that went onto the field, one threw a lighter fluid in Monday's direction. Monday later said he was motivated by his experience with veterans and visits to Veterans Hospital. His hope was to preserve respect for military figures all over the United States and beyond. This is good. You'll like this. I'm sure you've seen it, or at least I hope you have. But if you haven't, here it is, Rick Monday with the Cubs. I'm not sure what he's doing out there. It looks like he's going to burn a flag, and Rick Monday runs and takes it away from him. And so Monday, I think a guy was going to set fire to the American flag. Can you imagine that? Well, they better lose him in a hurry. And Monday, when he realized what he was going to do, raced over and took the flag away from him. Uh, Dave Bernard says Rick Monday saving the American flag will always be number one. I can't argue that. I'm not going to argue that. 
Saturday. You can make any of these number one because they're all great. Number two, this is unbelievable. I remember this. Imagine the pressure George W. Bush faced with this. You know, the Yankees were in the World Series against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Many in the Bush administration felt like the president should go to Arizona and appear and throw out the first pitch. Security officials for the president believed that it was a safer environment, a secure location. The president rejected that plan and said, I'm going in the heart of the Bronx in New York City. Freaking great. Absolutely freaking great. After visiting first responders working at the World Trade Center site, the president traveled in on Marine One to Yankee Stadium while preparing to appear. The Secret Service asked President Bush to put on a bulletproof vest for protection, not knowing what lay ahead in the stadium. Police and security had worked two days before to secure the facility, but hell, you never knew. And if you go back to 2001, when those planes crashed into the Twin Towers, uh, you went, whoa. Right, the World Trade Center, if that could be hit, I don't know what to tell you. Certainly somebody could sneak a gun in and shoot the president. But anyway, covering the vest with a FDNY sweater, President Bush took them out, electrified the crowd, and delivered a strike over home plate, knowing that nothing else will do. Like, we're not going to have Obama out there doing that kind of crap. We had a president that got out there firing. We're not having this guy here, Biden. Well, where am I? No, we're not having that crap. We had a president out there fired. Let's go to the video. For tonight's ceremonial first pitch, and please welcome the president of the United States. Right. How about that? Dude got up in front of the world. And you can think, in any way you'd like to think, that I'm full of crap here. But for me personally, and a lot of us, that meant a bust. The president getting up there, firing a strike, meant so much to so many people, including myself. Hey, look, I'm, oh, wait a second. Did I screw it up? Did I talk over it? Uh, some of it? Well, I got to tell you, I'm going to talk about this for a minute because I know we're getting late in the show. But there was nothing else the man could do. You couldn't go out there like our current president and be a belt. You couldn't go out there like some of our other president being a feminine male. No, you had to get out there and throw a freaking strike in front of the freaking world. And if you did not, if you didn't, it would be a disaster. It would be a show of weakness. It would be like, what are we doing here in the United States? And of course, from that, that day to where we are now is like being up here and being underneath the ground with effeminate males, uh, a president that has no idea where he is. We're trying to groom children. But on that day, George Bush threw a damn strike. And George Bush had to throw a damn strike. And George Bush sacked the living hell up and threw a strike in front of the world. You can tell I'm a little bit fired up because that's what freaking men do. That's what men freaking do. Men show up. Hey, it doesn't always go your way, but when it has to, and these four that I just talked about, they did. We all know this story. And I don't know, again, I don't know if this is number one. I don't know if this is number two, but this is a hockey game. This is a hockey game going back to the 1980 Winter Olympics, Lake Placid, 
New York between the Soviet Union and the United States, February uh, 22nd, 1980. It was during the medal round. People think that this was for uh, the championship. It was not. It was not for the gold medal. Then be, I believe it was Sweden the next night. But anyway, the United States had played the Russians in Madison Square Garden and lost by double digits, got their brains beat up. The United States were not a professional team. All the guys were college kids. Herb Brooks was the coach. Michael Ruzioni was the captain. There was a couple guys from Bowling Green where I later coached on the team. And it was right during the middle of the Cold War. It was the same thing that we saw later on in 2001. The world is watching. Is the United States going to be weak? Is the United States going to be a laughing stock? Because these things matter. Look, it's just not about economics. It's about worldview. And the United States stood up, man. United States stood up. The, United, the Soviet Union were four-time defending gold medals, heavily, heavily favored. United States won four to three. I was a junior in high school. We watched a game in Mike Holcomb's or Mark Holcomb's basement, and swear to God, in Maribel, Indiana, which is not hockey country, although we played hockey on Pavlik's Pond, we lost our ever-loving freaking minds. We lost our minds, went running around. The whole people were honking horns in Maribel, Indiana. This is late class in New York. What the hell did we care in Maribel, Indiana? I'll tell you what we cared about. Because in those days, you got tired about hearing about the effing Soviet Union. And you had a lot of problems, and there were a lot of world tensions. People were boycotting Olympics, those kind of things. So it was a massive political rivalry, sports rivalry, and it was widely known, particularly in swimming and track and field, that the Eastern Bloc nations, which included the Soviet Union, were cheating their ass off using steroids. So these kids from the United States beating them resonated throughout everybody. I don't care if you're a junior in high school like I was. You were my father, uh, a, a principal of high school. You are my mother, a third, a third grade teacher. Didn't matter. It freaking resonated. Now, look, you can argue with me what's number one, and that's a great argument. You know what I mean? It's a great argument. I'm all in on the argument because, frankly, uh, well, every one of them could be number one. You can't tell me that Jesse Owens doing what he did as an individual isn't better than something else. I get it. But Jim Craig was a freaking hero. So was a Ruzi Owens. I got to go. They're evicting me here from this Airbnb. My wife's like, let's go. At 11 o'clock, they're like, you got to be out. So I got to be out. Uh, subscribe, please, and like this show. We gave you some great stuff this weekend. Hey, and if I piss you up on Twitter, get over it. We'll see you.